You are listening to the Dream for Others podcast with Naomi Arnold, episode 17. Dream for you, dream for me, dream for others. And now your host, award-winning life and business coach, Naomi Arnold. Hi there, I hope your day has been treating you kindly so far and if not, I hope things at least get a little better soon. I'm joining you today to share a theory that I was taught back in my psychology degree that I find comes in handy still today in different contexts, both when I'm trying to work through a problem myself that I'm having trouble finding traction on and also in coaching sessions with clients too. So I thought I would share it with you as well in case you end up finding it helpful in one of those contexts too. Now it's called, and you've probably heard of it, the exposure technique. Some people sometimes get it mixed up with or use it interchangingly with the term desensitization. So we're going to briefly explore both of those today. Now before you think, oh, I know what that is and hit pause or cancel on the recording, bear with me because a lot of people have been taught the technique or have heard of the technique in how it's used in treating diagnosable phobias, which of course is true. But a lot of folk haven't thought about how knowing about this theory could assist them in other contexts as well. So I'm hoping that this episode will be useful from that perspective. Now, for those who haven't heard of the exposure technique or desensitization, what are they, you might be asking. Okay, so let's start with desensitization. Now, technically, desensitization is a cognitive behavioral technique that therapists might use to assist clients or patients with mentally confronting phobias gradually while they're in a space that inhibits anxiety. Now, it normally involves four phases. The first phase is where the therapist will teach the client relaxation techniques. They might include things like breathing exercises or perhaps tensing and relaxing body parts or mindfulness strategies or more. Then under phase two, they will question the patient about their fear or phobia. In doing this, they are looking to get a gauge on the hierarchy or the scale of fear. So what might bring on a low level of anxiety all the way through to what will bring on a high level of anxiety. Then when they enter the third phase, this is where the desensitization process officially begins. So the client is invited to practice the relaxation techniques that they learned back in the first phase. And then the therapist will use the knowledge they gained in the second phase to assist them through the process of vividly imagining the scenarios that bring on fear or anxiety. They'll start at the lower end of the scale and as the client gets more comfortable with that lower end, they'll gradually move up a notch, aiming, of course, to work through to the highest level in the scale or hierarchy. Then in the fourth phase, the therapist will invite the client to confront the fear in real life. 
Again, the client will be asked to use the relaxation techniques they've been taught and then starting at the lower end of the scale in terms of what brings on anxiety, work their way up through to the higher end of the scale. I remember reading in my psychology textbook a couple of examples. Uh, I might, I'll pop the link to that textbook in my show notes. So it's written by Burton, Weston and Kowalski. So if you want to read further, you might be able to get your hands on a copy. So one of the examples was a lady who feared babies and in the beginning she couldn't even look at a picture of a baby let alone approach a baby so of course that kind of gave the scale of where to begin when it came to the lower end and the higher end of anxiety And then another example that they gave was someone who feared being in a car after having had a prior car accident. So in this example, after being taught the relaxation techniques, they would use the visualization exercises to work through things like imagining looking at a car uh, through to imagining hopping into the car through to imagining holding the steering wheel, starting the car, through to driving the car, through to driving in different conditions. And then they were invited to gradually do those activities in between sessions in real life too. So this is a really brief summary of what desensitization is. It doesn't get into the why or what the fear means or the reasons for its origin or internalized beliefs or anything like that. Instead, it works completely on retraining or extinguishing a fear response. The exposure technique is a related cognitive behavioral strategy. It's based on classical conditioning and exposure, but it doesn't involve the imagining phase. So the exposure technique presents clients with the actual phobic stimulus in real life, and apparently it can be really effective for working through simple phobias. There are a few different ways that the exposure technique can be employed. It might be through flooding, which is where the person confronts the phobic stimulus all at once with the hope that they will realize it isn't as catastrophic as they might have first believed. So for example, if you're afraid of elevators, you'd be riding in an elevator with your therapist and then you'd be gradually working through to riding in an elevator on your own as those symptoms begin to subside. Then there's graded exposure where the person is gradually exposed to the phobic stimulus. So in this technique, like desensitization begins with the lower end of intensity and then works its way up to the higher end of the scale. And then with technology these days, they also have virtual reality exposure therapy. So this is where the person is gradually introduced to the phobic stimulus virtually. They've used this a lot, for example, with people who fear flying. So a key component of exposure therapy, no matter how it's delivered, is that it aims to prevent the client from avoiding the feared stimulus and closing any of the escape hutches that they may have established to help them not fully confront the fear. Now that is the desensitization and the exposure technique. 
I share these with you because sometimes they can be useful to know and apply in contexts where therapy is not needed. Now, I'm going to ask you to use your discretion here, please. If you are experiencing a severe phobia or a phobia of any kind, a traumatizing fear or PTSD or anxiety, please see a therapist. And if you're not a therapist, please don't try to practice on clients with these types of things. But if you notice that you fear something or are avoiding something or are resisting something that you feel you can handle on your own and that you can work through, uh, you just don't know where to start there. Having some awareness of these techniques can sometimes be useful in helping you find a more realistic way. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you might have heard a previous episode where I provided my four-step process for working through fears and the inner critic. So I'll pop that one in the show notes too, as it can also be useful in this context. I bring this up because in that episode, I shared I had a fear of public speaking and the steps I went through to work through this, which included seeing a coach who specialized in this area. But one of the other things I did is I loosely lent into my knowledge of the desensitization theory. So I did visualize different scenarios from low levels of discomfort or fear or anxiety through to higher levels. I did use relaxation techniques and healthy thoughts to help me through that. And then I did lean into loosely the exposure technique too. I started small, forcing myself to ask a question in group context first, because that's what gave me a lot of nerves and um, a lot of discomfort as well. And then work my way up to starting to present with small groups before ripping the bandaid off with (laughs) with a big group. As another example, I often contextually use similar strategies with my coaching clients too. So of course, not to treat phobias or anxieties, but just using my knowledge of these theories to help them uh, expand their options when it comes to moving through areas that perhaps they are feeling discomfort or they're struggling with in terms of resisting or they are acknowledging some type of fear there that is blocking them. So let's use, for example, a business coaching client who might be scared of being visible online, but they really want to become more visible and they're ready to start taking steps to do this. Maybe they want to start doing more Facebook lives and they want to engage with their audience more and things like that. So we can use our knowledge of these theories to help them expand the options when it comes to taking action here, because people will often think it's either or and Knowing these theories can help them see that there's lots of little things they can do first that can help them feel more comfortable before they go all the way in. Having said that, sometimes it is useful to examine whether flooding, which we just talked about, would work. Would ripping off the band-aid (laughs) 
And for example, focusing on doing a live every single day until the fear and the discomfort subsides be the way to go. For some people, it might be. And if that is the way to go, what can we do to help them feel more supported and capable of doing that? You know, do they want me to be in the audience so I can support them and engage with them and cheer them on in the comments and ask them questions so they know there's someone there with them as they're doing it? You know, what else might help them feel more supported as they fully jump into that ring to to work through this fear that they have in their business or do they need a more graded exposure type approach so maybe to begin with it would be I don't know, finding a group or a page that they do feel safe in where there are people who they feel supported by and using that to practice and move through that level of discomfort first before they move to the the strangers or their public audience. Or maybe there's a time of the day on their public pages where it is quieter and they can begin there to start with knowing there's not too many eyes on them. Or maybe they need to start with recording a video and uploading it first rather than going straight in into lives. Maybe first it's getting more comfortable with seeing themselves on video to begin with. Or some other clients, I know that it has helped them to start a private group with no members in it at all. It's just a group with themselves. And to begin with, that group is the whole purpose of it is just for them to practice getting comfortable with doing Facebook Lives with the technology of it so they can feel confident they know how to actually do it technically and how to manage things while they're there and and how to turn it off and, <laughs> and things like that first without any watching eyes. So today I invite you to ponder on any areas that you might be resisting or avoiding, any areas that you might be feeling some discomfort that perhaps having a knowledge of these techniques will help you expand the options a bit more when it comes to moving forward. If so, please feel free to let me know if I can support you in any way. Leave a comment on the show notes page or flick me an email or tag me on social media. I'm at Naomi L. Arnold, hashtag dream for others. If you're a coach, you might also like to keep these theories in mind when you're working with your clients if you think they will be useful in helping them expand the options when it comes to working through a block or a problem that you may be having in coaching. Now, of course, I know I keep emphasizing this, but I want to say it again. If you are a coach and not a therapist, please don't try to be a therapist. I am simply sharing these theories with you in case there is an opportunity where knowing them can help you support your clients and expanding their options when it comes to taking action in areas where they're feeling discomfort. Who knows? I know it's come in handy for me and maybe it will come in handy for you. But of course, if it comes to a area where you should be referring on to a therapist, please do that. Finally, if you are interested in having some support in a coaching context when it comes to uh, implementing theories like this with your clients, you might be interested in our new Developing Coach Collective program. Cameron, Aaron, and myself will be supporting coaches over a 12-month mastermind co-working, professional development, mentoring experience where we will be wearing our feminist coach hats and our supervisor and mentor 
hats on group calls as well as in classes on specific coaching skills. We're really excited about it and you can learn more about that at developingcoachcollective.com. That's all for this episode. I hope you found it useful and I look forward to sharing more tips that might help you in your dream for self and others in the next episode. Are you finding this content useful? Imagine having Naomi in your corner all year for monthly one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited email support and business resources. Visit naomiarnold.com forward slash coaching for details.